This is James Walker, and welcome to Real Talk, Real People. This is the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people to hear what they have to say about the issues and problems we face as a society. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us again this week. It's been almost a year since Barbara Fair came on the show to talk about the need to bring humanity to our prison system. Well, she and the people that she advocates with have had a huge victory, and she is here to tell us about that victory and also what else they're doing to call attention to what she calls a brutal prison system. And before we get started here, I want um, for you folks to realize that you can now listen to just the audio version on anchor.fm, or if you prefer to watch the Zoom version, you can go to jameswalkermedia.com and click on Real Talk, Real People. Let me repeat that. You can go to jameswalkermedia.com and click on Real Talk, Real People to watch the Zoom version. One of the things Barbara is also pointing out as we begin this discussion is that there are more than 10,000 prisoners in the prison system, and they're not getting a whole lot of support from family and friends. Let's hear what Barbara has to say. You were actually here almost a year ago. And time really flew. It really flies, and you were talking about you know, inmates and uh, solitary confinement and so forth. And I see your name has not left the news in the last year as you continue to advocate for these things. So I guess, you know, let's kind of start with what are you doing and what's going on? A lot of work. Um, we're working, um, that's what Stop Solitary, working to end solitary confinement in Connecticut by all the different ways that they describe it. And that's gonna include about four or five prisons where people on a regular basis, not for punishment reasons, but on a regular basis are in their cells 22 or 23 hours a day. So we're planning on ending that. Uh, one of our other demands was shutting down Northern where we know torture goes on. The prison has been cited by the United Nations last year for um, its acts of torture against people and uh, we have a victory on that already. They recently announced that that's going to close down July 1st. Well, we know we are just one step toward miles of work that we got to do. Because even when they close down Northern, um, we anticipate that they'll close the building down. Right. But that they will just move the program to one of the other prisons. So we're making sure that we're let, making it clear that when we say we want to end it, we want to end it in its entirety. The program is not going to go to another uh, prison. And so we want also want the place demolished because no human being should be in there. The sick mind that developed in the first place uh, should never happen. So we want to make sure that they don't shut it down for uh, Connecticut prisoners and maybe put other people in it. So we want it completely demolished. Still, that so we, have a, we have a lot of work to do. And it must make you feel pretty good though I mean because you're you're really out, out there on the front lines and so northern must be must be some kind of victory for you because oh you, yes I mean, yes you really went at it very hard 
Yeah, so, but not only not only for us, but for me anyway, the biggest victory is the people that are being tortured in there, being able to find out that that place is going to be shut down. So there's some relief coming to them. So, I mean, that so it's a huge victory just on that alone. So for people who don't know, kind of give us a description of what Northern is like and why prisoners there, are, why it's just a horrendous situation for prisoners there. Well, from, from the descriptions I heard, it's a very dark place, uh, gray walls, cement. They take you down the hall. They say that you feel like you're just leaving any parts of connection with the outside world. Um, they're, they, they're put into this um, cement space where they have a toilet and a bed. I think the toilet plays a part of a sink too. That's how, the, how tiny the space is. And they have the only um, part of light that they might see might be through a little shutter that they have in, in, the, um, in the door where right. they usually slide their food and their medication through. Wow. So They're no in windows, that for like 23 that. hours a day. They come out one hour. And for that hour that they come out for a shower or wreck, they are chained up like wild animals. They're chained to the shower. If they go on the phone, they're chained to the phone. When they go for exercise, they leave that cement space to go to a, a, a actual cage and they're cuffed so they really can't do anything but stand there cuffed and I guess that's their constitutional right to their exercise and so a lot of people actually lose their minds there I can imagine. there's a lot of uh, mental illness that's either created or, or um, exacerbated inside of that place uh, a lot of those people end up in Gardner where they have serious mental illness there uh, the place was really, you can tell it was really meant to break a person's spirit. They market it to um, Connecticut people that don't have a clue that it's the worst of the worst that go there. But for them, the worst of the worst are anyone who resists the way they abuse you. So anyone who tries to resist in any kind of way, you're a threat to security and you can end up in, in Northern. And that place is to break you, break your spirit and many times people lose their minds. Well, you know, I, I was wondering because, you know, from what I've read, I don't know really much about prisons, but from what I've read, that 23-hour lockdown normally pertains to death row inmates, not just the regular general prison population. So I'm really kind of surprised to hear that just the general prison population is um, are experiencing that same that same 23-hour lockdown. But yes. you mentioned mental health. Is anything being done? Because some of these men are getting out of prison eventually. <laughs> yeah. So is anything being done to kind of, you know, help them with their mental health? Because as you say, that place is there to break them. So yeah. are there any, is there anything there to help them with their mental health needs? Well, what happens, I think they have a counselor there. Most of them, they just drug them really out of their minds. They drug them so they don't, they, they can't really do anything. And the problem with the drugs that they give them, they're antipsychotics. And I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So whenever anyone mentions a med, I'm always looking for the side effects. Right. And those antipsychotics have a lot of side effects. Uh, some some um, cause uh, tics, like involuntary movements in your body. And if, if the longer you're on them, uh, the more they can become permanent. There's sexual dysfunction. There's uh, weight gain cause a lot of them to become diabetic is it's like just 
it's just really bad. There's just nothing good about it, but they use it because the people, once they drive them crazy, they can't control them in any control way. Them, yeah, right. So they just drug them up. And like so, you say, some of them are going to leave Northern and go straight right back to the streets. Right. I know of incidents that happening. So that means these people have been tortured, driven out of their mind, and they're sent back to our community. So now our community's not safe. Their families are not safe because they don't know what to do with this person that's been drugged up for weeks and isolated. Months, years. Not only drugged up, but isolated. On yeah, top isolated, no tortured. They don't know how to relate to people again. Their whole humanity's erased. So it's really serious what's happening to the people. And 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 the the part about Northern, uh, we know in Connecticut, um, the prison, the general population is seventy two percent white. Mm-hmm. Well, the population, the people that hand, end up in Northern and in uh, Garner, which is serious mental illness, they're like 80 and almost 90% Black and Hispanic. So most of this torture is happening to Black and Hispanic people. And those people coming back to our community, uh, broken. They're broken people. Right. And they're coming back without any help. That's the... Right. That's the key issue. They're coming back without any help. Now I know you you're telling me that some of um, some of the people that you work with and advocate with that they were going to the appropriations committee, a meeting at the appropriations committee or something like that. Yes, what are you guys we, doing yes, there? we we had a hearing, a public hearing Monday, and we have another one tonight at six thirty. Uh, I'm going to be testifying in that one. I testified on Monday too, but we're going before the appropriations committee because. When they shut down Northern, that place was, they were spending $17.5 million on that place with 50 people in it. So imagine that $17 million to control 55 people. That's a lot of overtime. And so we're saying, (laughs) okay, when you shut it down, we need to make sure some of that money is going back to help support those communities that you harmed, that the state harmed. The governor wants to take the money to uh, fix the budget. And we're saying, no, you have destroyed people's lives. You can't just put them on the street and not give them any resources. So we'll be going before appropriations again tonight, again, trying to get them to make sure that that money does not go to fix the budget, that it goes to fix the communities that have been broken. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People, the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. Do you have any lawmakers who are lining themselves up with you? Oh, yes, we have. uh, Well, the first forerunners, frontrunners of all of this work that for our community is uh, Senator uh, Gary Winfield and Representative uh, Robin Porter. Robin Porter There's yeah. others, but those have always been the front runners of, of any kind of support to help our community. And yeah, believe they're, they're me, it's not easy. When, yeah, it's not easy when you have 169 towns and most of them are uh, predominantly white towns. They don't even know what's going on. Many of them don't even want to know because uh, those prisons in their community boosts their economy. And having the, the people in their community boost their um, support as far as um, in politics, because they, they count the people that are incarcerated, they count them as people living in their living towns. Living in, in their towns. Yeah, yes. so they get a lot of political influence from 
having our people in their uh, communities. And we know that the prisons, uh, most of the communities that, that fill the prisons are in New Haven, Hartford, and Bridgeport, and Waterbury. The but urban, that, the, yeah. the urban cities. But all that fluence goes to the suburban communities. So, you know, we do have some suburban um, legislators who really help us and support us. Um, but it's primarily, those are the front runners right there, Robin and Gary. Yeah, and Gary, so, um, Gary is they always- They have a tough battle. Um, yeah, they, they do have, have a really tough, tough battle. battle in Harford. And they need, actually, they need more support from the Black oh, community overall. They definitely need more support. But you mentioned something that I, I really like, and that's, you, you may be going on this billboard campaign, and I'm trying oh, to- yes. I'm trying to envision what this billboard is going to look like and where exactly you guys intend to place them. What can you tell us about that? We are really excited because this this session, we are really intensifying our, our work. We really want at the end of this session that we have some legislation. So we're, we're going all out. Now our billboard campaign, we're going to have billboards uh, on I, I think it's I-91, I-84 and I-95. I can always get back to you to give you the, the perfect place. We wanted to get one here in the local area on State Street near the Hess station because a lot of traffic right. goes through there. I was trying to work with Juan Castillo to get that done, but he said the billboard's taken. But we're going to have those billboards up. And the billboards, I mean, we did some work with this wonderful lady from Wild Designs. Matter of fact, if you go on her website, Wild Designs, uh, her name is Jackie, the, 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 um, the billboards are fantastic. It had One of them just uh, defines solitary confinement. They have another one that has a picture of a dog on one side and a black man on another side. Oh, you kind of froze up here with Zoom. And on the dog side, uh, and the caption says, we have laws against hurting dogs, but yet it's okay to hurt uh, a human being right. in Connecticut. We have right. another one showing uh, just people in despair inside of um, inside of a cage. So it, we, we're really excited about that. We're going to have sounds, and shirts and banners. It, yeah. it sounds really eye-catching. Eye and I'm assuming that's why you oh, you're yeah. putting them out there. And but what that's do you it. what do you hope they bring? What do you hope these billboards bring you? Well, mostly just to wake people up to uh, inform people. We really want to get them out in communities that don't know anything about prisons to get to for them to know this is what's going on in your town with your tax money. We also have postcards that we're trying to concentrate in those areas that we know they don't know anything about prison just to, so that they all come together and hopefully have enough humanity that they'll support us in what we're trying to do. Yeah, I agree with you. Because that's all of... we're trying to do is, is um, if the people got to be in prison, their sentence was to lose their liberty. It wasn't to lose their life and to lose their mind and to break them. That wasn't the purpose. So. That wasn't the sentence. As you say, that wasn't the mm -hmm. sentence. And I think you're right when you say a lot of suburbanites nope. don't understand what goes on in the prison, and I think a lot of them have this assumption that everyone behind bars are these crazed, drug-infected gun runners, you know, thugs, and that's not that's true. That's the way you they market I, it. Right, that's the way they market mm -hmm. it. You and I yeah, um, both know that that is, that is not the cause. And we also know that once someone steps into that arena, it's almost impossible to get out. As you say, they really dog you. Yes. They really, they really dog you. Yes, yes. What about because when, with every sentence, they usually add on probation, 
you can have years of probation. So you can be violated. Say you went in for, um, you had drug problem. So you're on probation. They can violate you because you get the dirty urine. You can be violated if you don't make it to your uh, probation officer uh, on time when you're supposed to. You could be violated for so many things. So that's the bulk of who's in prison, uh, probation violators really? and people with mental illness. We took them out of the mental institution and put them in, in the prisons. Yes, that, that I do know. And I do know to me that is by design, quite frankly. It is by oh, design. Definitely by and design. It's, and it's really, it's horrendous. Now, I noticed that sometimes when you send me emails, they're for legislative breakfasts and things like that. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you, what do you do at these legislative uh, breakfasts? What do you, what do you talk about and what do you hope to get out of those? We do that to educate the legislators, especially the suburban ones, because like I said, we have 169 towns being represented. So uh, a lot of people in the suburban areas have no clue what's going on. So we, we uh, invite them to a breakfast. Uh, it's a Zoom call, of course. And we uh, provide them all this information. Uh, people like on our, on our team, we have a former warden. We have a, uh, a female who used to work in a correctional center. We have a person who's been in Northern. Uh, I represent a, a family member who's been in Northern. So we, and we have a minister. We have this collection of people who we speak to the legislators and and talk and tell our stories, and we show them, you know, how they can access film. We give them our website so they can go up there. There's so much information on our website, which I don't know if you have it at StopSolitaryCT.org. Well, no, but you just you just told my listeners, and I'm going to urge them to go to that website and so say it again. StopSolitaryCT.org. Yes, There's urge. so much information up there. There's a petition up there that they can sign to support our uh, making um, prisons more humane. And there's just a lot of information up there for people. They can okay. get involved in our campaign. So what's what's next for you guys? What do you what what if if you had your druthers, what would happen right now? Uh, first of all, they would um, immediately stop solitary confinement. They would provide care, true quality care for all those people that they have harmed inside the prison because they're, they're moving them out of, that, out of that place, but they're putting them somewhere else and they've broken them. So they need to get some kind of support and they need to support the families, the communities who have been harmed by this, um, this torture that they don't even want to acknowledge. But uh, those communities need some help. So if we can do that and, and make prison not be such a big business anymore, that is actually a place where people go to pay back for whatever they did wrong, there's gonna be more time spent out of, out of the cells because they're gonna be getting rehabilitation, um, um, developing skills, getting education, those kind of things that they really, really need, even including um, you know, mental health care if that's, you know, that's behind why they're in there. Well, but they well, would be getting those things as opposed I, to just sitting in a cell all day. All day long doing nothing, right? Yeah. And I have one more question for you. What about their families? The, the you know, because I'm assuming most of these people are right here in our area. When you, what do you talk about when you talk to their families? How are their families um, putting up with all this? How are they coping with it? You know what? I, I, I would just talk to somebody about that today. Because I said there's almost 10,000 people in prison. You would think 
when we were out there rallying and trying to make things more humane, that we'd have at least 10,000 people out there. Right. But we're lucky if we get 25. And that's the sad part. And I think it's because people have so conditioned themselves and accepted the oppression and what goes on that it doesn't bother them. That's, that's the only thing I can see. I think it's just people just normalize it. And so, and maybe they don't even have a clue. Maybe they don't look into what's really happening to their loved one. Because how do you not care that your child is being tortured and broken like that? It does seem rather strange because, you know, obviously, you know, when I was seeing your editor, we covered your events and so forth. And you would think that there would just be crowds of people because right. you have so many people behind bars and you're like, where are their mothers? Where are their fathers? Where are their sisters and brothers? And it just lends you to believe that they are so horrible that not even their families, you know, want them back. And I don't know, there's just something wrong with that picture. We have too many people behind bars not to have this mass, massive right. response uh, from and, and they're not these horrible people. A majority of people that get in prison as a result of the war on drugs. Wonderful. And America really needs to end the war on drugs. They're yes. always trying to find a way how they can make money off it. Right. But but the, the fight is, while you're trying to make money, what about all those people you've locked up? Are right. you going to let those people out? And so that's the fight that's going on in Connecticut right now, because the governor wants to legalize marijuana. But what about all those people that are locked up in jail, went to jail for marijuana? Or selling marijuana. Yeah. I, Without I, the I war on drugs, those prisons would not be full around this nation with people that are brown and black. It's, yeah, I, it's because that war was intentionally put in place, and if and it's not like a secret, you can go Google it up. Mm -hmm. Nixon said in seventeen in June seventeenth, nineteen seventy one, black people and war resistors are a problem in America, and what we have to do is devise a system that takes care of that problem without it appearing so. And so he initiated the war on drugs. This year will be 50 years of that war. It's not a war on drugs, it's a war on us. War because on they us. have the policies, but they selectively enforce them in black and brown communities. And that has to stop. And yeah. quite frankly- Yeah, legalizing marijuana is not doing it. You need to end this war on us, period. And we need more of these black parents mm -hmm. and to get out there and lend some support to you and the cause that you're out there advocating for. They have because to. 25 people at a rally is not going to do it. We need mm -hmm. thousands. We need thousands. That's why it takes these years. That's why it takes years. If 9,000 be people no were out there, we could do it in a couple of months. Right. Right. And let's hope that those billboards, because I really like that idea and I'm really anxious to see what they're going to look like. So yes. let's hope that brings you a lot more support I'm than what so. you've been getting. Yes. Anything you'd like to add, Barbara? No, I'm just so excited about our campaign. I'm going to make sure you get a mask because we've been giving face masks too. Okay, and cool. just so appreciate you helping to spread the word because so many people really have no clue. We talk about torture in other countries and we're doing so much of it right here in our state right under our own noses so yeah. thank you well, for helping me get the word out i came into the new year saying i've got to make sure i get to barbara Ferrer early <laughs> <laughs> i know you're a pain in the neck to the governor oh, you know and, I and am. others but you know i always tell people she never sways she mm -hmm. is right 
on point and she doesn't move off topic. And you have to appreciate and support somebody who is doing something like that. So on behalf of Real Talk, Real People, we thank you and keep up the good work. Thank you. You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, have a comment about the show, or perhaps you have an idea that the show should explore, give us a call at 203-605-1859 or email us at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. And remember, start your Sundays with my column in Hearst, Connecticut newspapers statewide and start your Mondays right here at Real Talk, Real People. Have a good week, folks. We'll talk again next week.